Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You're listening to the first and only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Hear from independent pharmacy owners, leading entrepreneurs, political strategists, healthcare technology trends, career coaching, interviews about our pharmacy industry, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes and leave us a voice comment from our contact section on the website. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. This is Alan Sykes with Sykes & Company PA, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey, today's interview portion of the Pharmacy Podcast, it's no, uh, no, they're not new to the Pharmacy Podcast, that's for sure. Uh, Jimmy Neal with Live Oak Bank and Alan Sykes with Sykes & Company. I am very excited to have them both on the show today. How are you guys doing today? We're doing fabulous. Hope you are. You're good, Todd. Thanks. So you've both been on the show before, uh, Alan. We've talked about technology and accounting in the pharmacy sector and how important it is to be able to scale as well as keep costs low. And I'm so impressed with what Sykes done with uh, your applications and being able to monitor, give out reports to your customers. We've done some interviews with um, with Jimmy with uh, Live Oak Bank about the structure of growing pharmacy business and needing to have a revenue partner ready to act. And uh, Jimmy, I'm going to start with you. I know that um, you guys have become uh, more involved in the specialty industry as well. Give our listeners a little uh, up-to-date overview of what Live Oak Bank's attacking today. Sure. Todd, I was just at the Essentia Specialty Pharmacy Summit in Vegas last week, formerly known as Armada. And you had some great conversations with folks. There's, There's a lot of independent pharmacy owners have just been dipping their toe in specialty a little bit and they know that they have to get really serious uh, about a lot of things in order to pursue accreditation. IRAC accreditation, for example, URAC, is about a $100,000 engagement. Not only is it the time invested, but it's $100,000. Then you've got investments in staff, system, software, so in uh, inventory, goodness gracious, some of these drops are $90,000. Huh? So some great conversations with people who want to grow their business into different revenue streams, and Live Oak Bank is going to be right there. So Alan, when I think of uh, the nuances of running um, a pharmacy and being able to transform and be able to pivot with what the market demands, being able to bring my community different types of services. And I'm trying to kind of do a litmus test um, to the rest of the industry. One of the very first things I think about is, you know, how does my pharmacy business compare with my competitors? And, and how, do you, how do you differentiate or how do you help a pharmacy owner really kind of grasp that? Well, there's an ex- excellent question. Um, the, of course, the first and foremost thing that is, has to be in place, Todd, is that a pharmacy has got to know where they stand on a real-time basis. The, the, the main issue that we run into with, with independents is that they typically don't know where they stand and don't have reliable systems to account for uh, basic balance sheet items, whether it's inventory, receivables, payables, whatever the case is, notwithstanding the fact they don't have a clue what their P&L actually is. So what we try to do is to come in, use the cloud-based resources that we're using, which are totally integrated, and 
collect the data and the information on a real-time basis and keep them knowledgeable about what's taking place so that they compare themselves to the NCPA norms uh, and or their peers. In fact, we, we, we have developed internally uh, metrics, financial metrics based on different sizes of pharmacies. And as a result of that, we've been able to compare the hundreds of pharmacies that we deal with with financial metrics internally as well as the NCPA metrics. So that's the starting point of, of trying to help pharmacies understand uh, what they're doing and how they compare with themselves and with their peers. If that's not in place, they don't have a clue. Jimmy, when you were on the show before, you and I were talking about really getting a our hands around or your arms around what it is to grow your pharmacy and how important that revenue and the usage of that revenue sm being smart about it and one of the things that you have an incredible background in is the whole world of wholesale and how the cost of goods is so critical so what's included like if I'm a pharmacy owner and I come to you and I say what's really included in my cost of goods I mean how do you how do you answer a question like that well, I mean, so Alan will tell you that cost of goods is not just the amount of product you purchase. It begins with a beginning inventory number, you add in your purchases, and then you uh, subtract out your ending inventory. That's the true definition uh, if, if you're, you want to look at your cost of goods sold on a P&L or tax return. Most pharmacies uh, are concerned about, you know, purchasing properly. And... Um, you know, it's it's a pretty competitive out there. There's there's lots of levers. You know, there's there's one markdown for brand products, um, but you, you need to be careful in that. You know, some products, even specialty, may be net priced, so you may not be entitled to that markdown. And you've got the whole world of generics or multi-source products, and um, you know, I think we were seeing generic inflation last year, and this year, uh, you're seeing some generic deflation, and. Uh, that generic deflation is is hurting some of the wholesalers. I mean, if you look at some of the recent press releases, especially from the big three, there's been some layoffs. So those those margins are hurting them as well. Um, but you know, it's really a market basket approach. Uh, having uh, worked with a lot of uh, the wholesalers in, in this role as general manager of pharmacy lending, you know, it really does behoove the. The, the pharmacy owner to um, to try to you know purchase as much as they can from their wholesaler and take advantage of all the take advantage of all the rebates and the everyday low prices that they offer and uh, you know occasionally if you need to buy a percent or two from somebody else that's okay too but um, you know I, I think today it's, it's, it amazes me how deep the discounts are getting off a of brand you know we're seeing dispensing uh, as a percentage, you know, percentage of units dispensed in pharmacy in the, in the low 90 percentiles. I can remember when it was, you know, low 70s. So um, differently, it's definitely all about generics today. So when I'm continuing down this trek and I'm trying to get my, um, my mind around, you know, the, the world of gross profit, what that really means based on total consumption, uh, total buy per month versus brand, how much percentage of that total buy is generic, how that affects my rebate from my wholesaler, all in it, it, it can become a headache. Um, and my question, uh, you know, thinking about some of the things that I've, I've collected from other pharmacy owners is, 
what is my gross profit you know uh, percentage and is it is this reasonable for my pharmacy business uh, how, how do I what's that uh, that quantifier what's that balance how do I know I'm doing okay again excellent question Todd that gross profit margin is probably the single most important number on a set of financial statements and as Jimmy has mentioned with respect to the, some of the trends you're seeing today uh, the, the purchasing and how well you're able to purchase net of rebates is so extraordinarily important and how you're accounting for that and tracking that internally, i.e. with perpetual inventory systems, doing uh, cycle counts to make sure the inventory numbers are realistic so that when you get to the end of a reporting period, i.e. a month or a quarter, you can very simply pull the adjustments and make sure that your gross profit margin is consistent with what you're seeing from some other reports you might be getting, like script dispensing logs, et cetera. But the single most important aspect of your pharmacy profitability is how well you're buying, uh, keeping in mind that what what the, the claims that are being adjudicated and what you're receiving, what what monies are taken out of some of those uh, costs, uh, excuse me, some of those revenues from the, the, the PBMs, you have no control over, whether it's DR fees, et cetera. But you've got to make sure that you totally understand what that gross margin is and doing everything you can do to increase that by every tenth of one percentage point. Because with the average uh, $4 million pharmacy today, you know, one, two percentage points or one tenth or two percent of uh, two tenths of one percent makes all the difference in the world with respect to the pre taxable income. And if that number is not, uh, uh, in, in the range of where your peers are in an independent community pharmacy, which is typically in the low low 20s, net of rebates, then you, you've got some real issues right there even before you get down to the expense areas. Jimmy, when I'm thinking of expenses and overhead and, and the, the crushing uh, pressure on some of these pharmacy directors and owners and management teams that they have responsibilities to their customers, to their community, to their employees – and I'm thinking, you know, how do I reduce my expenses without compromising my quality of service? That's, a, you know, that's a tough one. Um, do you really want to reduce marketing and promotion expenses? It's so competitive today, and you really want to promote what you're so unique and good at in community pharmacy. So, you know, I wouldn't want to cut that expense. You know. You see labor, you know, labor is probably the biggest area that you could take a good hard look at. Um, you know, labor expense, if you look at NCPA benchmarks, I'm sure Alan's got some. I know certainly our bank does. You know, the, the best operators are operating uh, in, in the high single digits uh, wages compared to revenue. That's not total payroll expense, but that's just wage expense to revenue. Um, and you see a lot of operators, you know, four or five points higher. So you think about that, four or five points. Okay. Do you think you can increase your gross margin from 23 to 28? Or can you reduce your labor five points a lot easier that you have control of and drive that to the bottom line? Well, the answer is the latter. It's hard to do, though. You know, your biggest reduction is going to be reducing pharmacist labor hours or reducing store hours. Maybe you don't need to be open on Sunday or as many hours on the weekends. But, again, that's what makes you truly independent. So it's a really tough one. It's a question I think most operators struggle with. Staff and employees become family. And, um, you know, I know I certainly am guilty of, of, of being um, – 
being the last one that wants to reduce labor because, um, you know, you get good people and you, and you hate to cut hours and let them go. You run the risk of now I've got two pharmacists. I know I really only need probably 1.3, but I, I don't know where to find that 0.3. So, you know, you can look at you can look at travel entertainment and some of the non-discretionary expenses. But I think for the most part, um, most good operators are already looking at those things. It's, it's tough. A good friend of mine runs MedFast Pharmacies in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Doug Callagher has now started going back to his employees uh, by pharmacy. I think he's up to 16, 15 uh, retails. And he'll say, listen, we can do one of two things. We can do layoffs or everyone can start uh, picking up additional duties that we need to add in. You might be a pharmacy technician. You might be a clerk. You might be one of our billing people. You might be a pharmacist, but we all need to, to jump in. Instead of me hiring more people, which we're not doing, we have to do additional things uh, from marketing, uh, coverage, you know, going out to the local mall um, and, and setting up a table to, to do community outreach. So I, I think that's a instead of reducing, uh, you know, but building value within each of those individuals and everyone knows who their uh, superstar employees are and who those employees are that are just there, uh, that are kind of just like clock punchers. And if I could just add on that payroll side, because clearly behind gross margin, gross payroll as a percentage of accrued revenues is the second most important issue. And as Jimmy has stated, single-digit uh, payroll as a percentage of total accrued revenue is extraordinarily important. And you, know, you have to ask yourself, we have pharmacies that are running, pharmacies, in fact, I was looking at a case this morning, guys, about 7.5% gross payroll for the first quarter. And then we, we have others that we're looking at that have cash flow issues that are 13 and a half, 14% and can't figure out why they're having those problems. And you, you, you preach to the cows come home, but it, it, it's about that labor and associated payroll costs, health care costs that are related to that, uh, et cetera, that, that makes such a significant difference for that pharmacy. Because, again, if that gross margin is not in place and if that payroll gets out of sync, you can work like the devil to try to get your other costs under control. But the other costs as a percentage of your total revenue are, 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 are insignificant by comparison to, to, to those two numbers. And, and so many pharmacies just don't get that those two numbers, gross margin and gross payroll as a percent of, uh, of revenues, are the, two, are the two key areas they've got to, to, be, to be you know right on top of. And if they're not, they're just not going to have the profitability they need to for the efforts they put out. One other quick thing. We've had one pharmacy recently that opened uh, drive-up windows. Uh, they closed the pharmacy. They were open at 8 a.m. in the morning. Now they're open at 10. They opened the drive-up window at 8. They looked at their script dispensing logs to see what they were doing after 2 o'clock on Saturday. Closed. They were open at 6 on Saturday. Now they're closing at 2. It's things like that that you can take a look at to bring that payroll cost down, maybe 10 or 15% that can make all the difference in the world. That's really good points, uh, Alan. And that leads me to my next question, which is, what is my break-even point, and why is this so important to me and my business? Well, <laughs> break-even point, obviously, depending on the size of the, of the pharmacy, ebbs and flows. Um, I, I tend to look more at pharmacy in terms of percentage gains, totally. I want, um, I want my, my pharmacies to be 4 to 7% pre-tax uh, net income. Uh, again, I want those gross margins to be in, in the low mid 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 twenties, if at all possible. And I can do that if I keep these other associated costs down. 
Uh, and another statistic I look at, if you take your total operating expenses, if you X out your gross wages and payroll taxes, if I can get down to 6 7% of pure T operating cost for every $100 of, of revenue that I'm generating, typically that is an extraordinarily important number that I see. But the break-even cost is something that is going to be so dependent on what that gross margin is for that pharmacy, how you know what the blending revenue effect is of that pharmacy, whether in DME, specialty, doing a three have a 340B program, and of course how that operates depends on a lot of things. So it's so difficult to, to say that a break-even break even margin is, should be X for a particular pharmacy because there's so many pharmacies with so many blended different structures of revenue. It's just very tough and you have to look at it on a case-by-case basis. So I have that product, I have that service, maybe medication therapy management, the reimbursement of what that is now. It's actually coming back, thank thank goodness. Um, There might be a hot product that's coming out in the marketplace, whether that be vitamin sales or uh, other services. How do I determine which of my products or services are making me the most profit? Well, that really gets fine-tuned down into the structure of a P&L. And, and unfortunately, most pharmacies don't have the structure uh, in the P&L to really fine-tune it to that level. Uh, your, your, your point is excellent. It, it's really something that needs to be analyzed. Again, we, seem to, we, we tend to see it in terms of categories whether it's independent community pharmacy or MTMs or DME or specialty or 340B or whatever the case is, and try to categorize those areas in the profitability in those particular areas to fine-tune what is the most optimal way to, uh, to grow that, those pharmacy revenues. And obviously, synchronization in today's environment is absolutely crucial. And those pharmacies that are sinking properly, that are adding hundreds of patients to their sinking list and trying to fill greater than 50% of all fields through the sink program are the pharmacies we see really reaching out and growing those top-line revenues from a community pharmacy perspective. I was reading an article today in Pharmacy Today, and you know we forget what an important supplement coenzyme Q10 is for heart healthiness. You know, and it's a great supplement for everybody taking a statin. Think about the millions and millions of people on cholesterol meds. Yeah. Everybody should be taking coenzyme Q10. And that's a good margin product in community pharmacy. And, and then we forget, you know, we really forget that Tylenol is a huge seller still. Children's yeah. Tylenol is the number one pediatric analgesic and fever reducer. And um, you know what? Take another look at the front end of your store. Walk through it because I know you walk through it on the way to the back end and then you walk to shut the front door and set the alarm. When's the last time really a pharmacist owner has just taken a 10-minute walk and looked at the merchandising and, and really taken a second look at what's really selling? Do you have the point of sale reporting? Do you have somebody dedicated to the front end? Is it time for a refresh? Because you know I'll tell you in my pharmacies – it amazes me how much uh, revenue we continue to sell. And we analyze it all the time. We've got a great POS with RMS and um, the traditional over-the-counter products, cough and cold, pain reliever. People buy that stuff. Yeah, that makes me think, you know, what can I do to improve my cash flow? And and there might be different strategies that you have, but all in like, that that's a broad question, I know, but what ideas do you have around more than the products and services, but maybe there's a strategy that I'm not doing based on accounting or something? 
Well, I don't think it's one one strategy necessarily versus another, but I, I will tell you that I'm a very close looker at, at script dispensing summaries and logs in order to be able to see the percentage of new versus refill scripts to the total. Uh, I look very, very hard at generic fields versus brands. And, and as Jimmy mentioned earlier, what obviously – uh, g- generic fields and the gross margins that we're seeing on generics, typically 45 to 60 percent at most pharmacies. Then I look at others that are you know, 25 to 35 and ask them, did you realize yours were that low vis-a-vis what we're seeing in the industry? So from a pure T cash flow perspective, the gross margin dollars is what I'm really after. I'm, I'm more so concerned about those gross margin dollars on my cash flow than I am that top line revenue dollar because I can generate top line revenue dollars with specialty, but I can't necessarily generate maybe the same uh, gross margin dollars unless I'm doing a lot of volume. And if I'm doing a lot of volume in revenue in, in, in specialty, I best have the necessary working capital and financing components in place to fund that because that's a real issue, as we all know. But uh, it, it, it's a matter of the, the pharmacy that you're in. Uh, in, in typical communities don't understand, and a lot of them don't even look into the 340B program as an example. Um, we're seeing just dramatic cash flow increases with pharmacies that are very active in managing those programs and watching what they're doing uh, with, with, the, with, the, with the fill rates and reimbursements they're getting in that particular area. As you mentioned, combining that MTM situation, um, the, the, the meds-to-bed situation is getting to be a, a popular program that many pharmacies are reaching out. All these aspects of pharmacy are things that people have to proactively get involved in to grow their pharmacies. You cannot do what you used to do five and ten years ago. It's a totally different environment now. And from a cash flow perspective, you've got to look at every aspect of that and, again, be able to account for it and to tell what you're doing and have the controls in place in order to determine what maximizes that cash flow. Collectively, that's, that's, that's the answer. Jimmy, when you were on the show before, we were talking about the purchasing of a pharmacy or acquisition or transfer. And um, one of the questions I was thinking about is, you know, if I'm a pharmacy owner and I ask, is my pharmacy business in a good position financially? I know that sounds pretty simplistic, but I don't think it is. I think there's it's multifaceted. And then a follow up to that. Will it be able to survive a downturn of some type? You know, good. You know, that's something we really all all of us pharmacy owners need to think about. It's like you get ready to run a race, 5K or a marathon. What do you do before the race? You just show up and run? No, you train for it. And I think that the same is true in, in business ownership. When, you, when you're when you contemplating either an exit strategy or you kind of want to get level set on what your business is. Now, Alan's right. You need to look at your report card every monthly. That's called a set of financial statements. You know, we're big believers that um, you can't manage it unless you measure it. And then what are you measuring? He's right. Measure labor percent. Measure your gross margin dollar per prescription. Whatever your favorite metrics are, measure those. Because I do believe that if you measure it, it will improve. So, you know, this is really true with, with pharmacy ownership. Take a good hard look first of where you're at and then um, – make some tactical or strategic decisions and put some plans together to see if you can't improve your margins. You know, give somebody in your pharmacy uh, the title of front-end champion. See if they can't drive front-end sales and compensate them for those efforts. Share in the, share in the um, margin gain. Same thing with all these alternative revenue streams. I agree with everything Alan said. Love the appointment-based model or med synchronization. 
It's two. It's got two benefits, in my opinion. Number one, it reduces labor because instead of coming in seven times a month to get seven scripts, they come in one time a month. They have better one-on-one time with the pharmacist, so there's better patient care. Um, number two, you have that labor re- redistribution. To your earlier point, Todd, redistribute that labor and focus it on either buying better or doing some research to find out better revenue streams or taking better care of your customers. So, yeah, you're right. I think you you do need to step outside the box and take a look at your own business and get a gut check on, on the financial fitness and where you stand and then take a look at your numbers and see where you can make some improvements. I think that gut check also includes making sure that your balance sheet has the necessary strength to it to take you through whatever happens to the economy, good, bad, or indifferent. That means having adequate capital. That means having really good working capital in terms of cash receivables inventory uh, over uh, current maturities of long-term debt and accounts payable. Um, if, if you don't have the necessary equity capital in your business, and if you don't, if your debt's not structured properly and it's not termed out properly, your working capital is going to suffer. And the single largest issue I deal with every day, all day, is lack of cash flow or where's my cash flow in a pharmacy. And it's because of all the issues that we've talked about here, whether it's gross margin, labor, lack of profitability, et cetera. But, but, but it all boils down to uh, not managing that business typically, not knowing the key metrics uh, not having the integrity in the balance sheet items. And if you don't have that, if you don't have a strong fortress balance sheet, uh, you, you, you cannot face the, uh, the perils of the economy, whatever they may be. And I probably should have done a better job of promoting Live Oak Bank. You know, Alan's right. You know, somebody needs 100000 200000 a million dollars in working capital. Um, these preferred, preferred networks or limited networks, some you know increased competition. Maybe you maybe you tried something and it didn't work out, but it cost you sixty grand. Maybe you built a compounding lab and bought a bunch of equipment, but it just couldn't just wasn't right for you. Sometimes you do need working capital. You need a bank who understands pharmacy and who understands your growing pain. So, you know, I know that we work with Sykes and Company on a daily, weekly basis to help some of those pharmacies with working capital injections so that they can move on to the next chapter. I said, I think the next question, Alan, is a place setter for a follow-up with you and Jimmy. I think you guys are fascinating. You're masters in your craft, and I think it's spilling over into your customer base, really helping to empower pharmacies to grow. And when I think of, and I might be oversimplifying, but I put, I put pharmacy ownership in three categories. Uh, the newbies, the guys who want to get in, the gals who want to get into the business who are taking that leap of entrepreneurship and it's exciting, it's stressful, and there's many things that you need to take into consideration in partnership with um, with Sykes and Company as well as uh, with Live Oak Bank environment. Uh, the middle of the road guys, the guys who have been in the business, the the ladies who own these shops, who are growing their business, the the, the time where you're evolving, where you're innovating, when you're bringing in new products, services, different things that you can do as a pharmacy provider, and maybe going into specialty, maybe picking up some more senior lives, whatever that be. And in that third stage, that is, you know, the, 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 the guys who've already done the trend setting, uh, they're wrapping their careers up. Uh, it's the sunset of, of the career. They, they want to make sure that they're either passing it along or, or using uh, this big, huge investment of their heart and soul and all their money 
And my question is all in is how much money do I have invested in my business? Like how do I how do I really I mean you can't do sweat sweat equity because goodness gracious you might work 80 hours a week one time or 60 hours the next but how much money do I have invested in my business? Well, of course, your balance sheet is going to give you a numerical uh, number of what the invested capital is on the books of the, the pharmacy. That said, that doesn't really give you the real picture because most cases where you've d developed the pharmacy, you've been in that pharmacy perhaps for decades, you've built the pharmacy, you are the pharmacy, uh, you have goodwill script values that are substantial in value. And that will not be recognized until you, you exit from the from the process. And as, as Jimmy has mentioned, we, we all are collectively involved in working with the transition from the uh, from the boomers into the millennials, and, and that's a, a big part of what we're all involved in on an ongoing daily basis. But uh, so much of that sweat equity is just that. It's that equity built up in the goodwill of that business. And the, again, it comes back to the positive cash flow that that business has generated and can support uh, on, a, on, a, on a refinancing and or on a, a transitioning out to a new owner uh, is where that, uh, that, that selling shareholder, selling owner can, can maximize that, that return on that invested capital, both sweat equity and what he sees on his balance sheet. Um, uh, one other quick thing, uh, the NCP ownership series, to, in my way of thinking, on the startup and the beginning stage pharmacies is probably the best thing that I see as far as the, providing a learning chapter for those that really want to get into pharmacy and community pharmacy and learn all aspects of that. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. It's a superb program. Gentlemen, I tell you what, you're you're fascinating to talk with. Uh, there's just some insights that you have that is hard for uh, for every day. You know, you're running, you got your nose down, you're not thinking of these things. So I think this uh, podcast is going to do well, uh, get it out to the marketplace. Alan, I very much appreciate um, what you're doing uh, for the industry, Jimmy. I absolutely am, you know, uh, thankful to you f and in uh, Live Oak Bank what you've been doing and how you've actually supported the show as well, uh, both of you. And um, I thank you guys for being on the show today. It's our pleasure. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. We were on with Allen Sykes from Sykes and Company and Jimmy Neal with Live Oak Bank, and we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Pharmacy Podcast Show. Be sure to subscribe to the show and send us a voice message with your ideas and comments from our contact section on the website. Did you know we develop digital health content to assist with business development and marketing efforts? Learn how we can help you drive more patients, physicians, and targeted leads to your website. Contact us today at PharmacyPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>